0: One show. Two fans. One question. Two perspectives. This is Doctor Who debate, where we each take a side
1: and tackle a controversial question about Doctor Who.
0: Is there any other kind?
1: This time we're asking...
0: Which era had the best Christmas specials, Stephen Moffat's or Russell T Davies's?
1: On Moffat's side, me, Neo, arguing Stephen Moffat's Christmas specials with Matt Smith and Peter
0: Capaldi's Doctors were the best. And on RTD's side, me, Tom Tit, arguing Russell T Davies's specials with David Tennant's doctor were the best.
1: Each of us will take turns over two
0: rounds. Where we each have five minutes to argue our case.
1: Then we give our closing statements and rebut each other's points.
0: There'll be no judges present, because that's where you come in.
1: Yes, you, dear viewer, choose which case convinced you more. The quality of our
0: arguments, how well we use our time, anything you deem worthy of judgement. We would love to hear your thoughts, so sound off in the comments and join the debate. Now let's, let's begin, begin the, the debate. debate
1: the red-nosed reindeer, had a very shiny nose. It proved to be a tactical disadvantage because it enabled me to punch him in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> what comes to your mind when I say the word present? In December, perhaps it's a Christmas present. An enticing lovingly wrapped box under a Christmas tree resplendent with festive decorations. Or perhaps you're more like the doctor and have a mind for time. Do think of the literal present, this moment right now. That kind of present certainly doesn't feel like a gift a lot of the time. So let's instead cast our minds back to the past, years and years ago, back to 2010. But let's stay on that Christmas theme. Even Australians such as I will admit that the cold, snow and ice are so indelibly linked with Christmas. So let's imagine a whole land of ice. Let's call it Iceland. Let's imagine Iceland in 2010. Do you remember anything about Iceland in 2010? Do you remember those volcanic eruptions that billowed out ash clouds of such intensity that all United Kingdom air traffic was halted? Well, let's think back to Doctor Who now. In 2010's April, the fresh team of Steven Moffat, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan were in America promoting the series, stuck, grounded because of those halted flights. Warm old Los Angeles, and the script Moffat had to write for that year's Christmas special. He told Doctor Who magazine, You don't get less Christmassy than that. Two days of writing nothing and I took emergency measures. I downloaded every Christmas song I could find, closed all the curtains and turned up the air conditioning to Dr Javago, and sat at my desk in a big coat and mittens. I fixed that image in your mind. Stephen Moffat, in warm Los Angeles, holding himself up in a freezing hotel room, blasting Christmas carols, tapping away at his laptop in a huge coat and mittens. This This is clearly a man who cares about Christmas, and who made specials SPECIAL by engaging with Christmas themes. A Christmas Carol riffed off the Dickens' tale, folding time travel into how the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future worked. Telling a story about being halfway out of the dark, Christmas as the marker of halfway through winter, and the Doctor marking the Scrooge-esque character as capable of turning to the light, becoming good. It's full of wonder, like a fairy tale full of flying fish, shark sleigh rides, uplifting music, a festive spirit of empathy and forgiveness, and the singular once a year magic of Christmas. The Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe riffs on C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, with young children in a countryside mansion during World War II escape through a portal into a magical winterland. And as in the novel, a magical figure, their Santa, here Doctor, assists them, and various characters wrestle with the bittersweetness of trying to preserve happiness and magic during Christmas, even when circumstances are tough. The Snowman takes place in Victorian England, the setting perhaps most associated with Christmas fiction. The Doctor sulking over having lost loved ones, something a sad but very present reality with Christmases, the marker of ones that are no longer with us. And there are monstrous telepathic snowmen as the villains, and Jenna Coleman's governess character comments on how Christmas is a time one must make family their business. The time of the Doctor has fairy tale-style narration, awkward family interrogations at Christmas, and makes Christmas Town the one place the Doctor finally settles down for the long term. Christmases may be marked by loss, as covered here, and in The Snowman and Last Christmas, but they're marked by family forgiveness and new life as well. New life here being the Doctor's, with that next Doctor's first special being Last Christmas. Every Christmas is last Christmas, characters conclude over the course of this story, understanding the importance of gatherings at Christmas as always marking potentially the last time you may be with a loved one, the last time you might share Christmases with them, and thus every Christmas having its singular bittersweet magic. Oh, and the Santa, his sleigh, elves, Rudolph, they're all in there too. The Husbands of Riversong has a Christmas panto-esque villain and expands on Last Christmas's themes of Christmas gatherings as offering second chances. The return of Doctor Mysterio riffs off blockbuster movies so prevalent in December, featuring a young boy accidentally granted superpowers one Christmas night, culminating in another Christmas romance. Twice Upon a Time swaps Last Christmas's North Pole for the South, seeing two doctors sulk in the snow, stressing the importance of memories, And how many strong memories are always formed at Christmas? Memories as the marker of a person, and emotionally climaxing in the legendary 1914 Christmas Armistice where two opposing sides in a war stopped fighting, exchanged gifts and sang together for one magical Christmas day. Even in those stories with less overt Christmas elements, their tones and themes are still so keyed into the Christmas spirit. Moffat's Christmas specials are superlative not just out of being good Doctor Who episodes, but for being Christmas specials special at Christmas.
0: Following the transmission of Rose in March 2005, Doctor Who was immediately renewed for a Christmas special in a second series. As someone who prefers to start planning for Christmas the week beforehand, I can't relate. But this didn't happen because Doctor Who is automatically great. It happened because of RTD's voice and the strength of his and Julie Gardner's team. The stripped-down, visceral marketing, with its focus on running, motion, adventure, escape, these very tactile RTD-ish ideas, without any frills to distract from them, and most of all, this image of pop star Billy Piper and the implied collision between the real world and the fantastical world her presence heralded, secured a spot in the biggest time slot of the year. To determine which era had the best Christmas special, there's so much variance that the only approach that makes sense to me, outside of tallying an average numerical score for each showrunner, the IMDB approach, is to identify the Christmas sensibility that animates each showrunner's work and makes for the best festive viewing. And For me, RTD is yet undefeated at depicting the bright and the dark sides of Christmas. I think it's very relevant that the very idea of doing a Christmas special is a direct result of RTD's singular aptitude for capturing the cultural zeitgeist. If you look at the BBC Christmas programming only a year prior, you'll see no original material in the sci-fi vein of Doctor Who, just sitcoms, soaps and talent shows as far as the eye can see. If Russell T Davies hadn't wedded Doctor Who to soap opera land so successfully, would a Christmas special have been considered? The one thing we know for sure is that Russell T Davies, famous for his avid, vivacious consumption of television, is nothing less than the perfect person to slot Doctor Who into the festive TV landscape. In The Christmas Invasion, we have the newly-minted Tenth Doctor and Rose returning to the Powell Estate, somewhere the Doctor hadn't spent time in since the Slothene two-parter, Rose hadn't been without immediately trying to get back to space, and most importantly, the viewers hadn't been since Series 1 ended. The first Christmas special most embodies Christmas through the act of forcing our perspective back to the home base of the first series, The Powell Estate. We are very much coming home for Christmas as the viewer. Because Jackie and Mickey were such vivid characters in the first series and the estate is such a visually distinct location, especially in the context of Doctor Who, this feeling is very, very real. And obviously very, very Christmas, with so many families gathering to celebrate the occasion, for better or for worse. This is reflected with RTD's characteristically subtle touches. Jackie's well-intentioned but brazen interjections ultimately worsening Rose's personal stress and the Doctor's global crisis. And Mickey trying to navigate the awkwardness of Rose's continued absence and her bringing a stranger in the form of David Tennant. All this stuff is surely relatable to some, and believable to all, but we're happy to be back with the Tylers, and key to all of this is that RTDs who actually had a real world to return to. Following the seismic departure of Rose, our perspective shifts more with the Doctor, so we end up glimpsing a window into someone else's life, the one-off companion Donna Noble, who ended up as the primary inspiration for the long-term companion Donna Noble. If Rose's family was realistic but comforting, Donna's family is… realistic. I practically break into a cold sweat every time Sylvia Noble is on screen. Donna's train wreck of a life in this episode is a fantastic portrayal of the occasional tension in events like Christmas, where the seasonal pressure to be merry sometimes clashes with the inherent sourness in familial relations, and we have the Doctor doing some domestic labour and grunt work of Christmas, waiting for the ATM, attending the wedding reception, etc. The Runaway Bride is a masterwork of an omni-shambles Christmas. All the domestic labour, the discomfort, the absolute mortification of Donna's fake wedding engagement. It all produces a kind of solidarity between the viewer and the Doctor and Donna, like two misfits bonding at a party. Again, realness and identifiability. RTD's last three Christmas specials show the Doctor at his loneliest, unable to retain that sense of community. So he passes through, more like a Christmas race, gifting salvation to the supporting characters like Mr Copper, Jackson Lake, or the amnesiac Donna. The style changes accordingly, emulating other Christmas stories like the traditional blockbuster film broadcast of a disaster film, the Dickensian Christmas and even the momentous scope of the Bible itself. The one thing these specials have in common is a huge, shouted-from-the-mountaintop sense of clarity and urgency, which is important because, frankly, many of the viewers will be drunker than usual. The fact that these specials were so temporarily fixed is something that will be slightly lost to time as viewing becomes more dependent on binging and catching up. When watching a Doctor Who marathon, a Christmas special might just be an episode that's a little lighter or frothier than usual, and most of the non-plot-heavy ones are unlikely to appear in lists of favourite episodes. But the time they are broadcast sets them apart so drastically. More people watching and probably lots more distractions around the house. RTD specials are so good at responding to that. Each one's so vivid at a time when life becomes more vivid. These specials' collisions with the real world extend their guest stars, Doctor Who extending an olive branch to other corners of television and saying, come join in. The likes of Catherine Tate and Carly Minogue are fully permitted to do what they're known for, not relegated to the likes of joke parts or voice roles story like Voyage of the Dam* simply has power as the one with Kylie Minogue in a way very few ordinary episodes do, and well, Tate is fondly remembered as well, but that's a different case. Plus, these specials simply do things bigger than the show normally does. A full-on independent state style alien invasion, the TARDIS in a car chase, the giant Cyberman, the sorts of things that stick with you. Due to the greater viewership, they even have their own kind of internal continuity and grammar. Killer trees and sand has become recurrent motifs to reward attentive viewers and perhaps jog the memories of less attentive ones. Characters point out that Christmas has become a hotspot for alien invasions, the best example being the empty street in Voyage of the Damned. The Doctor has his own threat of troubled relationship with Christmas dinner, first attending it with the Tylers, declining the Nobles, finally accepting it with Jackson Lake, and the heartbreaking realisation that as much as he would like to spend dinner with the Nobles in the end of time, he simply can't. Such is RTD's skill that one could only watch the Christmas specials each year and get a good feel for the arc of the show, an experience I'm sure many non-fans have had. So, that is one reason why I believe that RTD's specials are unrivaled as festive viewing. He captures the zeitgeist during a zeit when the geist is stronger than ever, connecting the context of the season and the content of the series in an alchemical way through themes of connecting with family and stylistic clarity that paradoxically make some of the broadest episodes of the series also some of the most memorable.
1: You better not shout, you better not cry, you better watch out, I'm telling you why! A Santaran Warfleet is coming to reduce your planets to atoms! Earlier I spoke of Moffat's eight Christmas stories. Now I want to speak of Moffat himself, of his belief in Christmas, of the way he's compelled to wield the spirit of Christmas for good. Both Stephen Moffat and Russell T Davies are atheists, and we were blissfully spared any clumsy attempts at a special where the doctor visits Bethlehem two millennia ago or some such. Where both men may arguably differ is on the topic of humanity. Now there's plenty of Tenth Doctor speeches about how inspiring he finds humans, plenty of that sort of thing, But, and to make it clear, I'm not criticising this, I'm just musing on it in the context of Christmas. But there are things like um, RTD's ultimate fate for humanity being cannibalising themselves into mutilated monsters at the end of the universe, spurned by empty promises of a um, mythical paradise waiting for them. These occasionally cynical, even misanthropic, touches often make for very compelling and mature writing from Davies, I personally am a huge fan. But when we're talking Christmas and I look at Stephen Moffat, in Stephen Moffat I don't see this cynicism, I don't see an ounce of misanthropy, I see an overwhelming sincere love of Christmas, belief in the Christmas spirit and a desire to do genuine good to serve anyone watching the show by spreading that Christmas spirit. You point to RTD as having brought back the show of inventing the Doctor Who Christmas special in the first place as important, sure, that's definitely true. But is it always the initial inventor of something that gets valued the most? I mean, it's not Saint Nicholas we remember so much as Santa Claus, Father Christmas. I'll agree on Russell T Davies as the kind of originating Saint Nicholas figure here, but I really believe Moffat is the Father Christmas. Think back to that image of Moffat writing a Christmas carol, forcing some cold and Christmas into his life in a Los Angeles April. Keep that image in your mind as I read out some quotes from the man. I think you have to be emotional. You have to laugh and cry a bit. A Christmas carol should be seen on Christmas Day when you're prepared to believe in any amount of magic. The Doctor at Christmas. It always just feels so right. When I was a kid, Santa and the Doctor somehow lived in the same place in my head two generous madmen that I love so much. So now that the Doctor is a regular feature of Christmas, the world is just that bit more right. I keep saying, this is a children's program. Whether it really is or not, I don't quite know, but there's no question that, as a character, the Doctor has a powerful relationship with children. End quotes. Undeniably, Christmas Day is most special for children. It's children who are compelled by the story and magic of Santa Claus, it's children we buy the most presents for, it's children who race out of bed all too early in the morning to try and kickstart the magic of the day. And Moffat really understands this. A Christmas Carol drew from Moffat's childhood nightmare of sharks somehow evolving to leap out of the sea and attack him in his bedroom. The Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe drew from Moffat's childhood nightmare of a wooden king reprimanding him for sleeping facing the wall rather than the door, some irrational fear of his. The snowmen, the time of the Doctor, and the return of Doctor Mysterio, all very much center children as well. Now I'm fond of a lot of what Russell T Davies did with his specials, but aside from, what, more or less a plot device in the next Doctor, where are all the children on Christmas Day? Yes, RTD has evil Santas, but Moffat has the real Santa. Yes, RTD has a Victorian setting, but Moffat engaged with the Victorian values. Intentionally, with Dr. Simeon. RTD had Christmas dinners, but Moffat went so much deeper than that, locating a bittersweet and nuanced reason we should all treasure Christmas. Every Christmas is last Christmas. How we should treat Christmas's marking mortality. You say Russell T. Davies is skilled at depicting the darkness and reality of Christmas, but I see so much strength in those arenas right here with Moffat. Both men understand the value of these episodes that are, as you say, viewed by so many more people than usual, by whole families rather than just the Doctor Who fans within them. But where RTD used that to make stories that would engage them and get them to stick around for later series, the Kylie Minogue casting, the fake-out marketing about a future Doctor, where Russell T Davies did that, Moffat used the Christmas specials to make Christmas stories that would engage people, not just stories in general. I have enormous respect for Russell T Davies, but when it comes to which era of Christmas specials were better, I simply believe it's the one that truly put Christmas into them.
0: So, I think RTD's specials are superb at capturing the spirit of revelry and communal celebration of that pagan rite, to borrow a gorgeously epic phrase from the end of time. Through their stylistic boldness, overall accessibility, and varied approaches to family, but what I really like about his specials is their multifacetedness, befitting of a multifaceted writer. Because in RTD's specials, alongside their overall good-heartedness, exists a ready willingness to engage with their darker sides of Christmas. Because to me, Christmas is an event which inhabits many different shapes and shades. I've touched on the subject of the actual act of watching Doctor Who in a group on Christmas Day, well, Boxing Day for Australians, because it's something that fascinates me. Getting an outside perspective on Doctor Who is such a strange and sometimes uncomfortable experience, but one I really value, and RTD's specials play into that so well. On Christmas Day, what often ends up happening, for me, is I end up seeing Doctor Who through someone else's eyes, and the effect this produces is one I can only describe as depersonalisation. And depersonalisation is a theme that pops up again and again in RTD's Christmas specials, the birth of a new Doctor always being a moment of extreme depersonalisation, as seen in The Christmas Invasion. Donna's fake marriage and love being thrown out from under her. The motif in Voyage of the Damned of Earth History being misinterpreted is a great example of it, having Mr Koffick gleefully exposit comically incorrect facts about the Earth while we look at it from the outside. The depersonalization continues to accelerate. I don't have to explain how Jackson Lake's mistaken belief that he's the Doctor fits into this theme, and the new man goes sauntering away speech solidifies it as the major threat of that particular special. I think this is a canny recognition of how Doctor Who and Christmas alike, matter and antimatter coming into contact. The inherent sadness of the Doctor not having one fixed family, and the inherent otherness of Doctor Who as a program jutting against the seasonal revelry in general. The casting of Catherine Tate in A Runaway Bride is another great example of it, she's clearly cast as a character belonging to a completely different sort of show. She might as well represent the family member at the Christmas do who hates Doctor Who. Though ironically, Tate has become so culturally associated with Donna Noble that this factor may be somewhat weakened by the passage of time. Secondly, and it's almost a cliché at this point, the consumerism of modern Christmas. It runs through RTD's special as an undercurrent simmering under the surface. From the moment that store-bought Christmas tree starts tearing through the Tyler's flat, it's not just a can-be set piece, though it is that, but something intuitively creepy because it's part of the viciousness and inhumanity of mass production that we let into our homes. A very small moment I'm fixated on is the moment in The End of Time Part 1, where Wilf is bewildered that Donna bought him a book about millionaire Joshua Naismith. It's a plot beat first and foremost, but I can't help but read it as another moment of, there it is again, depersonalization, and a sublime moment of a sort of tragic cringe. When you have so many products and gifts vying for your attention, the human element gets lost, and one is liable to end up with a Naismith moment on their hands, where there could have been something personal, handcrafted, or just more specific. The Master works as a presence in that story because he's just as fixated on excess as RTD is, his rants reading like a parody of Charles Dickens's passages in A Christmas Carol about, the moist and pulpy figs and modestly tart French plums. Only while in that novel the sensory overload is positive, here it's grotesque and horrific. The sheer volumes of food consumed, the displays of wealth, all things RTD doesn't let us forget. The setting of the Starship Titanic is a whole display of it, spectacle and banal comforts overriding the human. The pivotal moment of tragedy in The Runaway Bride is when Lance berates Donna for being what he sees as a purveyor of consumerism. I was stuck with a woman who thinks the height of excitement is a new flavour Pringle. Oh, I had to sit there and listen to all that yap-yap-yap, oh Brad and Angelina, is posh pregnant X Factor Atkins diet Feng Shui, split ends, text me, text me, text me, dear God, the never-ending fountain of fat, stupid trivia, I deserve a medal. In classic RTD style, being an atheist preoccupied with religion. His Christmas specials are obsessed with the profanity of humanity and the idea that we can't transcend ourselves, just like Lake can never be the Doctor. Ultimately, though, his specials show human beings as good, and if anything, it's the Doctor who is vain, shallow, and self-obsessed. Donna may be a purveyor of banal trash culture, but it doesn't make her less of a human being, and the idea that it does is what makes Lance such a detestable villain. And the Tenth Doctor, a rather messianic figure, who was effectively born on Christmas, curiously, is shown to be borderline monstrous, most notably when he commits genocide against the Ragnos, with exploding Christmas baubles. And it's Donna who gets to rightfully point this out. And who can forget the actions of Harriet Jones at the end of the Christmas Invasion, committing her own act of genocide against the Sycorax, and what R2D has explicitly cited as a way of venting his frustrations and feelings of betrayal by Tony Blair's role in Iraq, the Doctor not being free of responsibility in this act either. R2D's specials show a consistent scepticism of power in all its forms, which would surely resonate stronger with those outside of the privileged to whom Christmas is tinged with a somewhat bittersweet quality. The image of the Doctor and Roe standing in the snow, which is actually the remnants of dead Sycorax, is as cynical and blackly comic an idea as RTD would ever come up with.
1: When the red red robin comes bob bob bobbing along, I use the twittering avian for target practice! Strax, Christmas is fun. Come on now. David Tennant's 10th Doctor just committed genocide. Harriet Jones unilaterally destroying a retreating ship. The remains of that ship's dead inhabitants floating down onto our heroes. The Master eating some homeless people. Look, I'm all for a bit of dark and edgy, but these, these are just simply not things I want to see on Christmas. When Moffat incorporates darkness into his Christmas specials, he does so in a way appropriate for those general audiences we both place a lot of importance onto. The mortality of family members, loved ones ageing and growing weaker, troubled relationships with family. This is the kind of darkness that I say makes for a strong multifaceted Christmas special, not war criminals and cannibalism. The temporal location of the specials, the fixed points in time they occupy, the specific Christmas days they aired on, I agree, these are important things. Even though they apply less to international viewers like ourselves, and apply less in general given the popularity of binge viewing these days. But it's this temporal factor, the specials literally, of course, broadcasting on Christmas Day, it's this that I think strengthens the argument for Moffat's era. Yes, in terms of publicity, Russell T Davies worked magic. The stunt casting of Kylie Minogue, the canny fake-outs about the next Doctor, having the new Doctor born on Christmas Day. But Moffat worked magic in terms of Christmas itself. You know what? I'm so secure in the magic festive factor of Moffat's Christmas specials that I don't feel compelled to say a great deal more on them. So I just want to leave you with some images. I compelled you to picture Iceland at the beginning of all this. Now, I want you to picture Sardic Town from A Christmas Carol. Picture the end of the episode, where snow first begins to fall. Picture Katherine Jenkins singing, the tears on Michael Gambon's face, the town's denizens coming up to marvel at the snow, and then the wonder of a flying sleigh pulled by a shark. Then, years later for the ponds, picture the doctor turning up at Amy's doorstep, wiping away a tear as they happily invite him into the place set for him at Christmas dinner. Picture Clara climbing a staircase into the clouds bedecked in Christmas snow. Picture another Clara gently opening an aged Doctor's Christmas cracker for him. Picture Nick Frost Santa deactivating Rudolph's red nose like a car alarm. Picture Nardole in a very, very snowy street, coming across a Doctor with antlers on his head. Picture the doctor stumbling into a boy's comic-filled room on Christmas, eagerly taking a bite of cookies set out for Santa. Picture warring soldiers coming together to sing for Old Lang Syne. And finally, picture Moffat, in April of 2010, in sunny old Los Angeles, making himself a Christmas capsule, drawing all the Christmas magic into a hotel room as he can, before setting out to make Christmas as magic for the rest of us as it is to him. Christmas presents! I love opening Christmas presents, although I'm always slightly disappointed when they're not bigger on the inside.
0: I've had so much to say about Russell T Davies' specials, because they offer so much to say, but I haven't had time to address some of your pro Moffat points, so now would be the time to do so. Moffat snuggling in LA with Christmas films, a rather sweet image to be sure, but to your point that everyone associates Christmas with cold and snow and that snowy Christmas specials are therefore better, Well, personally, growing up, I always found it annoying and frustrating that Christmas media was so saturated by the white Christmas. It always made me feel as if the party was happening somewhere else. This is perhaps why Voyage of the Damned spoke to me so much on a visual level. It's such a fiery, burnt orange Christmas special. It stands apart from the coldness of the Moffat Ones, A Christmas Carol being one of the coldest of all. Yes, A Christmas Carol, a story which, yes, it's very beautiful, with career, best work by Toby Haynes and Michael Pickwood. But what you see as a story about empathy and forgiveness, I see as really quite a creepy work about the Doctor stumping around with impunity in someone else's life and using a terminally ill woman as a prop to make him nicer. And its literary debt to the Dickens novel I feel is really skin deep. That special is more Tom's Midnight Garden than A Christmas Carol. Tom's Midnight Garden being a novel Moffat has admitted to stealing liberally from throughout his career, and also one I'd recommend everyone read because it's a lovely book. Furthermore, A Christmas Carol and Doctor Widow wardrobe may be drawn from Moffat's childhood nightmares, but frankly, are they Christmas nightmares, really? A shark and wood? Wood maybe, if you go from Narnia to trees to wood, but that's a few too many degrees of separation for me, compared to outright killer Christmas trees, baubles and Santas. I'm slightly failing to see your point that Moffat's specials are Christmasier. Christmas is something of an afterthought in Time of the Doctor. Barely a set decoration in Husbands and almost totally absent in Mysterio. As to the lack of children in RTD specials, are the kids in Dr. Widow wardrobe anyone's favourite characters? And for that matter, do any kids actually watch the early Christmas specials and think, gee, I wish there were more kids in this? I mean, Rose Tyler is basically a kid, just one who gets to do all the cool stuff kids don't get to do. Which makes Series 2 seem quite strange in light of that, but I'm supposed to be arguing for RTD so I'll swiftly move on. He's constructed a sort of hierarchy of edginess, that dark socio-political commentary is bad on Christmas whereas interpersonal darkness is good on Christmas. Personally, I see little basis for this. I agree to some extent that people don't want to think of inequality and suffering on Christmas, which to me is exactly why people should think about it. I mean, it's the basis of a whole well-intentioned but vaguely patronising songwriting tradition, from Do They Know It's Christmas to The Kinks' beat-up Mall Santa song. I think it makes the right people feel uncomfortable, and the right people feel seen. Every virtue you ascribe to Moffat's specials had already been done by RTDs, mourning the loss of a loved one done in Runaway Bride, riffing on blockbuster films done in Voyage of the Damned. If Moffat is the Santa to the RTD's Saint Nick, then shouldn't Moffat's specials be more popular? I mean, RTD's specials had measurable, cultural impact, the iconic first moments of David Tennant, the Kylie Factor, the death of Tennant… all things people still talk about whereas however good the Moffat's were he did drop the ball where it counted with the slightly unfortunate attempt at a second Christmas special being the doctor the widow and the wardrobe which i wouldn't be surprised if turned off a few households off the annual christmas doctor who viewing tradition as it did mine it's not the openness positivity and communal suitability of rtd's christmas specials that make them great it's not their inescapable inescapable cynicism their leaning into depersonalisation perspectives on consumerism and power Rather, it's the interplay between these two things that creates a truly earned feeling of hopefulness, through the promise of characters like Donna Noble or Jackson Lake, whose so-called profanity is what makes them heroic. The history of Christmas in previous centuries has been the history of the battle of the so-termed pagan elements of festivity and no small measure of debauchery, and the puritanical desires for the opposite. Which, for the reasons I've mentioned, I believe RTD's specials embody perfectly through the epic tales of the interplay between the Doctor and the human race.
1: There's a man on Prade Street with an invisible wife. Maybe he just doesn't have a wife.
0: Okay, so that was quite a complicated subject, uh, which showrunner had the best Christmas specials because I think there is like so much variance in the showrunner specials themselves that you could almost like do a subsection of, of of Capaldi versus Smith or like pre-Rose versus post-Rose.
1: Yeah, and there's still so much Christmas content we didn't get to. Like it's not a Christmas special, but The Unquiet Dead, it's not only Christmas, it has Charles Dickens. Right. So the show networks a lot with Christmas. In an interesting way And comparing RTD's five specials And Moffat's eight Yeah it's a lot of stuff But I think it's interesting The through lines You do find
0: So it really is a question Of like digging deep Into the showrunner's psyches And I think we did A pretty good um, Sort of Encapsulation of their different approaches to Christmas that maybe the more optimistic, uh, philosophical elements of Moffat and versus the extremely messed up elements of RTD.
1: I hadn't seen so clearly before you described it how messed up the Davies ones are. I just knew that they felt less Christmassy to me. But man, they're pretty sick in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, they really are. I think it's just like, it's such a Russell T. Davies' ish time, you know, with all the, it's just so extreme and like, people interacting with each other. It's like sort of the thing he was born to write, which is actually why I'm, I am was sort of disappointed when he moved away from present-day Earth in his Christmas specials. Yeah, yeah. Because basically I think his first two specials, Christmas Invasion and Runaway Bride, great and his next three i think were none of them really satisfied me i thought his attempt to conjure like dickensian london in the next doctor was really really surprisingly weak because i think that like rtd and dickens they should have sort of share some elements as writers so i think his sort of like dickensian attempt was so sort of like hollow and yeah yeah just strange I've never noticed before that the next Doctor is the second episode in a row where the Doctor, like, takes someone's memories. Only in Journey's End it was real, but in the next Doctor it's, like, someone whose memories really don't belong to them. But it's still the Doctor sort of, like, taking someone's sort of perception of their own life away from them. yeah. And I thought it was weird that the Doctor never comments on that in the special. I think Russell should have picked up on that and maybe had a, Ten could have had a moment of like, oh, I really don't want to take someone's story away from them again. So I thought that was really weird.
1: It's certainly a running theme in the show, uh, whether intentional or not, that whole kind of thing of Doctor's agency over other people's memories.
0: Yeah, very much.
1: To this day, I think both showrunners are kind of front-loaded in that Moffat got to do his fairy tale riffing on a literary work thing twice in a row and then that stopped happening so much. I at the present day stuff at first. It's funny because there's just so much <laughs> to write since each year needs one. Muffet has a quote where he says uh, in 2017, I sort of think we might have mined and possibly overmined every single thing we could about Christmas and Doctor Who. And In terms of we, if he means Russell T Davies and himself, maybe he's right. I think certainly other writers could think of more Christmas things to do. Like, there's some wonderful Christmas audio stories. There's good Christmas stuff across the Doctor Who board. But you do get that sense where they suddenly both are just less interested in Christmas.
0: Yeah. um, And, I mean, Moffat kind of did have the harder job because, I mean, as much as he does have a different brain to Russell T. Davies... RTD also did get to do sort of the most obvious things, like killer trees and stuff like that. Um, And I think Moffat really rose to the challenge of, like, sort of delving into the literary world more. Later on in his really non-Christmassy specials that he did, like Mysterio, which is set in New York, somehow it still feels really Christmassy to me. Like, I think for some reason I just associate New York with Christmas, maybe because of, like, the Pogue song or something, but... um, yeah. Mysterio is one that I really love I think like the the from the time of the doctor to the Mysterio is such a killer run of Christmas specials like I think they're not just good specials they're really good episodes of Doctor Who in general
1: the child elements with Mysterio is really strong Moffat had suggested the idea of a superhero story back when he was trying to break series 10 uh, with his exec producer Brian Minchin Uh, Minchin said you've got to do that as the Christmas special since you know kids love superheroes um, that would be perfect material for that So I think it, even though it's Christmas is really only at the start I think it just feels keyed into children It's very festive in its own way
0: I was really interested to learn that Runaway Bride Was actually just a vanilla series 2 episode idea And I think... It might have been like the exact same thing. I think Julie Gardner or someone said, you have to do that for Christmas. Um, so, I think they swapped it. Like, it was going to be an early series two episode, which surprised me because I'm I'm not sure how that would even work.
1: It wouldn't be the same without the baubles genocide. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what you want on Christmas.
0: Yeah. Our, our RTD arguments were basically the same, except mine was RTD is so dark and messed up. It's really good. And yours was RTD is so dark and messed up. It's not Christmassy, <laughs> but effectively the core of it is <laughs> yeah. just the same recognizing the same thing yeah runaway bride was the one on rewatching that i was really surprised how much i enjoyed it like i remembered it as a really lukewarm episode but i've come to appreciate it as like just the images of the doctor like waiting in line at the atm and the entire scene at the wedding reception i think is amazing like the doctor is the sort of sulky teenager i think it's just a really like tight script and the whole stuff about like donna the sort of cringe element of it with her her marriage being a complete sham i think it was very um Something resonant about it, similar to that whole whole the the wolf getting the completely irrelevant book for Donna in the end of time, which I think you said that you appreciated that scene as well. Oh,
1: it's so relatable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, getting a gift you um doesn't really apply to you if even. You appreciate it's from a loved one maybe But it just has no relevance Very relatable Christmas stuff Yeah For it, sure
0: It's one of those just tiny RTD moments Where it's like You have countless like big scenes in Doctor Who have big emotions and big speeches But there are so many like little beats That RTD just seeded into his episodes That just say so much about, you know, just the smallest interactions between people can can be the stuff of entire novels worth of analysis.
1: In the humanistic element, Last Christmas sticks with me so much because I think it articulates so well uh, why Christmas feels important and in a way magical to adults in its own adult way about how it's a marker of this might be the last time you see someone that's always stuck with me since uh, that special ad.
0: Yeah, it's really strong. It's nice how they both yeah,
1: imbue a lot of um, really human ideas, <laughs> even if one is a bit lighter and one is a bit darker.
0: You can definitely see why he brought it back in Husbands of River Song. Yeah. What I really love in Last Christmas is just all the Santa stuff, like the comparing the myth of the Doctor to Santa Claus. It feels very like uh, natural to me and saying they're both as real as each other, basically stealing an idea from Mark Gatiss. <laughs> From Robot of Sherwood, Mark Gatiss perhaps being the unsung architect of the Christmas specials. Him doing On Quiet Dead, and then Robot of Sherwood being such a direct <laughs> link to Last Christmas. Moffat, I think you can't really beat him on the sort of myth making aspect of Christmas. And also, I think rewatching the next Doctor, it struck me how much of like Moffat would totally run with that premise of someone thinking they're the Doctor.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, just that whole idea, but it sort of falls flat because I think Jackson Lake is like s- such a weak character uncharacteristically for rtd like he's just sort of a stand-in for a character really he doesn't really have any strong personality he's not quite a parody of the doctor but he should have been like he could have been the doctor for real um, but instead it was, it's sort of like a wishy-washy and i think that like the whole element of the doctor basically pretending to be a companion in that story moffat took that and ran with it in such a better way in the husbands of river song where the doctor like pals around with yeah, River yeah. and does the whole bigger on the inside bit. But I guess the reverse of that is that Moffat's blockbuster homage was way better than Voyage of the Damned in my books anyway the the superhero movie trumps the disaster movie <laughs> yeah to me.
1: i love that it's kind of out of time in a doctor who way like it's yeah. coming at a peak of superhero well it felt like a peak then it's peakier now but coming at a peak of superhero cinema yet it's not connecting to any of the you know 2000s or 2010s superhero cinema it's those old superman films it's uh, more tied into than anything else yeah uh, which is really lovely it makes it feel very sentimental and old-fashioned
0: it's quite funny really it's sort of it's like gesturing at being relevant and topical but it's sort of not really beyond the surface <laughs> level and i think that's that's kind of a funny rug pull one thing i'd like to sort of go a little deeper on just like while we have the time is the whole aspect of like the the event of doctor who landing on christmas day and what that really means for a doctor who fan <laughs> because i think christmas specials were because i guess we can use the past tense now they were such a weird thing because um they're just an island of Doctor Who not belonging to a season. Usually, I guess Husbands was really close to Series 9, but um, they are like an island. So a series ends and you wait for a Christmas special and a Christmas special is like, it's not fully Doctor Who. It's like a sillier version of Doctor Who that hmm. is made for like a crowd of people to watch. And so you wait for an hour of that. Yeah, and then there's a gap between another series. And so like the Doctor Who fan has this weird position of waiting for like Doctor Who that might- they probably won't like as much as normal Doctor Who. And so quite a lot of the time, like people are really waiting for the series trailer at the end of the special. Like I remember the series six trailer at the end of A Christmas Carol. That was such an exciting moment. And I did like A Christmas Carol as well at the time. I just think it's such a weird, and yeah, the, the whole the, the whole vibe of spectators getting a glimpse into Doctor Who. Yeah, I think Doctor Widow wardrobe was such a watershed moment in that. I think that, like, that's an episode that doesn't really play to a crowd, and a lot of Moffat's aren't. They're all very sort of introverted spect- specials, which is fine, you know. I'm more introverted myself, but yeah.
1: Widow is funny in that, like, it's clearly trying to play to a crowd, but the whole thing to me just feels so specifically like Moffat responding to complaints about how he handled... Amy's motherhood in series six like the the Mm. whole thing to me just feels like a response to that
0: yeah it's like look I have mother friends I can't be mother (laughs) yeah
1: it's it's funny with Moffat's as well and that we had husbands as like an island like you say and then Mysterio was the next thing it was consecutive Christmas specials because of the gap year and then the pilot had a scene set in Christmas so it was like this little triple Christmas run in a way, it really linked Doctor Who with Christmas so much in my mind. That year is over, I guess, but it's really fascinating to look at all those big run of Christmas specials we had now.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if Christmas specials came back. I feel like that's sort of become like an expected thing. I mean,
1: oh, yeah. you have
0: people asking like, why isn't it on Christmas anymore? Like people have come to expect it so much. I wouldn't be surprised if they restored it eventually, but, you know, who knows? The future is very uncertain. Yeah. So, what- do you have a favourite Christmas special? I suppose it's obligatory to say at this point.
1: My favourites- it was last Christmas until I re-watched them recently. Now, uh, to be honest, I have the most positive memories associated with Mysterio. Uh, <laughs> that's the only Christmas special I've ever watched with- that I've ever not just watched alone- uh, or the others I've just watched alone, you know, on like the twenty seventh or twenty eighth of December. Um, no, I watched the, I watched some of the Christmas Invasion. I caught the last ten minutes of it uh, with family. Long story. I was mm. very upset to have missed most of it, so that's a bad memory. <laughs> I have a nice memory with Mysterio, and I just find the whole thing such a delight. And I think it's I think it's really a good good script. I love the pacing of it. I love how it intercuts with Grant's youth and the present. I think it's a really magical special. So that's the one that makes me feel the happiest.
0: That's great. What about yourself? I had the almost exact opposite experience with Mysterio. I think I literally watched it on an iPad like probably in my room because at that point i think doctor who specials just weren't done anymore like as an event for me anyway my favorite is time of the doctor um it's really not like a Christmassy christmas special but i think it's just such a good episode of doctor who and it's like Mm. it's designed as a big episode and it succeeds as a big episode
1: oh it's marvelous it's such an epic
0: yeah it really is beneath that i have a really soft spot for husbands of river song And that's a weird one because the back half carries it so much. Yeah. Um, Like the first half, I can kind of take it or leave it. You know, it's a good farce. It's not Muffat's best farce, but it's a good farce. But the scene where 12 realizes or River realizes who 12 is, that's like one of the great Doctor Who scenes for me. Something about it just works so well. And just the whole, it's like the whole second half is a sustained note of romance and it doesn't let up somehow. And I think it's it's really great.
1: I think Hydroflex is a pretty fun, like, panto-esque villain i think he fits into the heightenedness of the christmas specials a lot too
0: Hmm, yeah that's true so yeah it'd be the time or husbands for me just that run from like 2013 to 2016 i think was killer it was like doctor who actually being really great at christmas It was quite something to behold
1: all righty debrief concluded and now once again we implore any and all listeners to join the debate let us know who you agreed with more and or who you disagreed with more which Christmas specials did or did not work for you, and ultimately which era of Christmas specials you come down preferring. Join the debate, and thank you for listening in.